Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling the second TV movie, MacGyver Trail to Doomsday. episode is november 24th 1994 this is about six months after atlanta six months and <laughs> ten days it was on thanksgiving oh. thanksgiving weekend it's great um it was directed by charles carell who did 19 episodes of the show over the course of the series starting with uh the first penny parker episode every time she smiles also ugly duckling assassin wish child um the first jack dalton episode jack of lies the second half of holy rose and halloween nights so those are yep, very solid solid yeah it's good ones um, and this was written by John Considine, who uh, has appeared as three separate characters on the show in Log Jam, There Before the Grace, and Off the Wall. And he also wrote four episodes, uh, including There Before the Grace, uh, Blind Faith, and both halves of Goodnight MacGyver 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we describe this episode in brief? Well, in this episode, MacGyver comes to London to visit an old friend uh, for his birthday, and he gets killed, and he wants to investigate why. Right. This is this MacGyver is, does not get killed. The friend gets killed. Yeah, no, MacGyver gets killed, and uh, right away. So the whole story is about uh, this guy Paul trying yeah. to figure out why MacGyver was murdered. Uh, what a twist! <laughs> <laughs> no, oh uh, yeah, MacGyver. MacGyver himself is investigating. I, I had to say, upon uh, viewing, I was not expecting this plot to go the places that it did. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. It, it. I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, and we start off, I think, with MacGyver just driving his, like, hot rod. Yeah, he, he has a, a hot rod car in London. He's driving through the streets of London town, and uh, he's having a bit of a flashback to this time when he was mountain climbing, and uh, his climbing partner, I guess, was injured. It looks like there was a splint around his leg. Yeah. And uh, they're trying to get – I don't know why they're still trying to continue to climb up. It seems Instead like – Instead of slowly – repelling down yeah um but maybe there was more help at the top than at the bottom uh yeah. but uh paul's injured and he's telling macgyver to cut him loose like you you're gonna kill us both there's no point in both of us dying and but yeah. macgyver says no we're gonna both make it uh and uh this again this is just a flashback because yeah. uh we immediately come back to macgyver driving and arriving at the estate the i guess the moran estate right uh uh i i'm I'm still not sure if this is frederick or paul's house officially yeah i kind of got the impression that it was frederick's house yeah but that it's paul's birthday right uh there's a, a lot of security uh like guard dogs and and people checking the uh checking your id and stuff like that before you can come in and uh, as we said, it's a birthday party for Paul, and there's a very underwhelming banner <laughs> that says "Happy yeah. Birthday, Paul." Happy Birthday, Paul. <laughs> uh, it looks like something you'd see up on the wall at office space when everyone's passing around the cake. Yeah, uh, like where where they just like like the Paul part is just a piece that comes down, and you just apply a different yeah. person's name Put up, up there. Next name, yeah. Uh, uh, MacGyver makes his way into the party, which is in, like, the the backgrounds of the estate. Right. And he immediately comes across Paul. Paul's very excited to see him. They haven't seen each other in 15 years, according to Paul. And uh, 
while they're having a talk, Paul seems a little nervous about something. Yeah. And he wants to talk to MacGyver about it privately, but before he has a chance to pull MacGyver away, uh, Elise and Natalia arrive. Right. Uh, Elise is Paul's daughter. Uh, she, I think they said she's like 18 or 19. I can't in that yeah. age range. Teenager. Yeah. Um, and Natalia is, I guess, a friend of the family because she's never really established. I thought she was a niece or possibly Paul's daughter or um, Frederick's daughter. Well, he's, she's got a different last name. Not that that means anything, but uh, yeah. uh, also given her like, well, I don't want to give in, get into too much about some of these characters sure, yeah. because uh, this, this, it, this will become a mystery. Right. So I, I don't want to like go into too much detail on. But any yeah, character. I guess they don't they don't get too specific as far as her actual relation to yeah. this group. Um, but Natalia here is played by uh, Beatty Edney, who plays Heather McLeod yeah. in Highlander. Yeah, that that um, that's that's McLeod's first wife after he's exiled, and like he lives while she ages, and then eventually passes away. Yeah. Uh, and, and then yeah, uh, yeah uh, Elise Moran here is played by Lena Headey, who. I think most people would recognize yeah. from her appearance in Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, no, she was not on that. But uh, she plays Cersei on Game of Thrones yeah. currently. She was also amazing as Mama in Dread. Yeah, Dread is so good. And uh, she was also Sarah Connor on Terminator the Sarah Connor right, Chronicles, right, right. which I never watched and I did not realize that until I looked this up last night. Yeah, uh, yeah, her and uh, Summer Glau and uh, it's good. it was a it was okay. It was an okay show. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was it was great by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it was interesting. Yeah, but it's neat to see Cersei show up. Yeah, she. I mean, obviously she's extremely young in this. Yeah. Um, but you can tell. I mean, you can see you can see the look on her her face, that that classic Cersei look. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I probably. I'm just keep like I can't picture her as anyone else and obviously i think that even for her that's probably going to be the thing that she's going to go down in history for is going to be game of thrones i'm sorry yeah. to say i also wonder if um their last name here is a reference to a longtime uh, producer of the show john b moranville that their last name is moran these, uh, these brothers uh, that's it could be cer- it could certainly be. possible it doesn't yeah. seem like a very traditional name yeah. Like, I, I can't think of any uh, time that I've ever heard that. But I also haven't met any uh, Heddies or uh, Edneys or Crims yeah. <laughs> that are also people and actors and names in this. So <laughs> Yeah, this this second TV movie is another uh, thick crowd of British actors mm-hmm. um, who most of their credits, as a result of them working uh, mostly in Europe, are, are less familiar to me. Yeah. Um, a lot of Shakespearean stuff and a lot of BBC yeah. Presents like stuff. Nicholas Farrell, who plays Paul Moran here, has a lot of work, but yeah. the only credit that I actually wrote down was that he played Silver Fox in a short film called Nipple Jesus. <laughs> but he has a lot of legitimate work under his belt. I yeah. just thought I'd undermine all of it. <laughs> By out. one title. Yeah. Uh, as uh, Natalia and Elise are kind of like, you know, MacGyver, they're all having like a very casual conversation. Yeah. Um, Frederick Moran, Paul's brother, he also now comes and interrupts their conversation. Uh, this is the, the interrupting family. Yeah. Uh, so Frederick wants to talk to MacGyver privately because, uh, I guess because he's going to introduce him to a t- for a toast. It, it seemed like he wanted he had something to actually, like, important to tell him, but it was just in, to lead him over to be humiliated. 
Um, uh, and so Frederick takes MacGyver over to like the party tent where he's about, he's giving him like a grand introduction because he's the guy who saved Paul's life. Right. And, uh, and now he's like come back after 15 years to celebrate Paul's 40th. But in the middle of the presentation, yeah, something goes terribly wrong. Terribly, terribly wrong. One of the waiters pulls out a gun and shoots Frederick in the shoulder. Yeah. But then a bunch of other waiters just yeah, start all the catering. Yeah. <laughs> who who catered this place? Yeah, the whole team of caterers has has weapons and they're just firing indiscriminately into yeah, the crowd. Just into the crowd. Like MacGyver tackles like a little girl to the ground because there's just like a spray of gunfire coming at her. Um, they start lobbing out canisters of like uh, tear gas or or just like smoke gas. No one seems yeah. to be in pain from the gas. Um, that especially like that will. It's see. almost like it's a ninja smoke screen. Yeah. So that they can leave. Yes, or, or collect bells off of a dummy. Right. <laughs> and, and officially be invited to the Foot Clan. Right. Listen up, you guys, because I'm only going to tell you once. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Rockwell's classic appearance in Turtles 2. <laughs> uh, so uh, once the chaos comes, like, uh, calms down because he's uh, a motorcycle gang comes out and picks up the rest of the shooters. And yeah. again, they're just firing wildly as they're making their getaway. Natalia runs over to MacGyver and Frederick. And, and MacGyver's it, trying to treat Frederick, but he's like, oh, it's just my shoulder. Yeah. Help, help other people. And then she says that uh, Paul's been hit. Yeah. And MacGyver gets to Paul just in time for Paul to just say two last words, sample and pack. Yeah. And, uh, and also a, a, another, like, security guard comes over and casually whispers, they've taken Elise, and then gets up and walks away again. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was so odd. It was, like a, it was definitely like a theater, theater kind of moment where yeah. someone just comes in to relay a piece of information and then promptly exits. Stage exit. Uh, exit pursuit by bear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's boo boo. Yeah, well, right. Okay. Yeah, make, making world's end references now. Uh, <laughs> so that night, uh, uh, Tony Graves, a friend of the family, arrives. Tony Graves uh, is a former, I guess, intelligence operative. Yeah, he was an inspector with. I guess he worked with the police, or he worked with some intelligence agency. Yeah, but he's he's American. Right. Uh, that's the important part to remember. Uh, and uh, inside, Frederick is giving a statement to the chief superintendent, Capshaw, uh, who is investigating the murder. And he seems very hard-nosed, uh, doesn't want any nonsense, and he especially hates Tony Graves. Yeah. Uh, and outside of MacGyver and maybe uh, Lena Headey, he's the most recognizable member of this cast. Yeah. Because um, I know I've seen him in lots of stuff, but the, the three credits that jumped out at me, uh, this is Alan Armstrong, Alan with a, with a U, A-L-U-N. Yeah. Um, and he played Mornay in Braveheart. Uh, he played Mr. Hafez in Mummy Returns. But I think the role that I recognize him from was the High Constable in Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, yeah. But um, he's just got a great face, mm -hmm. a very interesting shape to it. Uh, but he's, uh, yeah, he's very thoroughly uh, questioning Frederick about what happened there today. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, like, when Graves gets involved, he's like, meh, blah, blah, blah. Um, just then, uh, an officer comes in and informs them that they found a female body down by the river. Right. By a van. 
and then drifts out of the scene again. <laughs> yeah, he, he calls him over to whisper it because he's just like, uh, come here, you have some information, give it to me privately. Yeah. But he's whispering so quietly that it seems like he's just not saying anything. Yeah. He's just like mocking the inspector by just like mimicking oh, speech. Th- th- this, this quiet? Is this quiet enough? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> the, like that scene in Toys with Michael Gambone and uh, Arthur Mallet when they... When Michael Gamow pulls him into a closet, he's like, what, I- what is this about espionage? Well, General, not too loud. People can hear you. It's like, well, General. <laughs> he's like, I can't hear you. <laughs> you got to speak up. Well, General, no, I still can't hear you. <laughs> like, first, like, <laughs> Regular yeah. speaking voice is too quiet, but before he asked him to quiet down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Arthur Mallet, Arthur Mallet. Uh, obviously another uh, – had a MacGyver very, um, uh, cameo. Yeah, very, very brief MacGyver cameo. And um, that was the, with Bannister, right? Yeah, the uh, the enemy within, he was yeah. the uh, the coroner. Mm-hmm. The egg rolls in the, <laughs> in the like, medical yeah. pan. <laughs> right, yeah. And MacGyver takes one on the way out. I love yeah. it. I, I really but wanted Michael that Goodwin's to be more like of a disgusted. thing. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great if he if he stayed on as that regular character. But. Uh. So uh, they found a body by the river, and they suspect that it might be Elise. And when they go down there, they they uncover the body to examine it, and Frederick wants first first glance. He has dibs. Yeah. Um, but they, they inform him that the body's been completely battered. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if the implication was that it was battered by the river or – Battered and then Before dumped, it was in, the dumped in the river. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's pretty. It's pretty awful. Yeah. And but he he believes it to be Elise, um, and they have two funerals, uh, on the same day. For I Paul. mean, anytime this happens, where it's like, oh well, the person's really battered, so, uh, just for plot purposes, it might not be the person it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> later on, um, but it leads me to wonder <clears throat> if this isn't Elise, who is it? Yeah. Um, like, oh, not fair. I I battered my girlfriend and threw her in the river. She said we'd give me a million dollars. Fair? Uh, yeah, so they have a, there's a quick funeral scene. Uh, MacGyver's a pallbearer. Ah. Yeah, they're, they're, getting a, <laughs> they're getting a dual funeral. Yeah, MacGyver's a literal pallbearer. Because uh, I'm assuming he's carrying Paul's coffin. I, I don't know. I think the flowers are more colorful on the coffin he's carrying, which mm. leads me to believe that it might be actually be quote-unquote Elise's. But, yeah, it, it still seemed weird to me to have a, a single father-daughter funeral. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe that's just the easiest way to do it. You only have to hire the preacher for one day. Right, and all the family can come out for one afternoon. Makes it easier. Yeah, considering that this was probably only, like, a day or two later. Yeah. Um. Or if it's Flames End rules, less than 24 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> they just bury her in someone's front yard. Yep. Uh, so back at the... <laughs> she just goes outside, why are you always doing this? Scatter, scatter. <laughs> <laughs> they just drop the coffin. Uh, back at the house, uh, MacGyver decides that he's not going to head back to America, that he's going to stay and conduct his own investigation into Paul's death. Right. Um I mean, also in Elise's because, I mean, they were all related. But, uh, yeah. So Frederick offers his help. He says, well, if you need any help, you know, obviously I got a big place for you to stay. Uh, he offers Tony to help as well because Tony has backgrounds in intelligence. 
Yeah. When they also try to recruit Natalia, informing MacGyver casually that she has very special skills. She's uh, like, no. She's like, no. Nope. Do not involve me. Yeah, don't. I don't want to do this. Um, somebody take me home. Anyone but MacGyver. So MacGyver takes her home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was a very awkward car ride. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, so why didn't you want me to take you home? <laughs> What's the big deal? Uh, at the house, um, at her house, she he kind of asks her a little bit about why she was so anxious to not get not throw herself in to help the family, but she's like, well, I don't want to talk to you about it, and so MacGyver's like ready to call a night then, because clearly this is going nowhere. Yeah, he's <laughs> making no progress with this girl, uh, but then he notices that her door's been messed up. Yeah, it's it's been and that it's, it looks like somebody busted in. Mm-hmm. Which then also begs me the question, who did this? Yeah. Um, because I, mean, I know we're probably kind of casually like insinuating some things, but I'm very curious because like as this is, you know, we, we both watched this more than once. Yeah. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> who did this? <laughs> uh, it seems like an awful lot of work to just back up your initial story. Yeah. Especially when she, she goes in guns blazing. Yeah. She pulls a gun out of her purse, kicks open the door, and starts Which sweeping the Which is the, the first room. indication we get that she is, like, a part of, like, an armed force. Or at least has very special training. Right. But uh, MacGyver, like, leans up against the door, and she pulls out a handgun and just kicks it open and runs into the room. And MacGyver's still, like, sitting yeah. by where the door was, and he looks in, and he's like, what What just happened? What? You're inside already with a gun. <laughs> uh, she clears the room. Uh, you know, I mean, like, she doesn't kill everybody i mean it's empty she yeah she says it, she, it is clear yeah and and uh it's just a mess everything's all over the floor and yeah. i wanted her to make the same joke that uh that atticus did yeah that's uh, always in the first tv movie just like oh no yeah this is what it always looks like yeah kind of a slob uh macgyver kind of tries to help casually clean up and he knocks over her purse and a pen drops out and kind of bursts open and inside isn't a pen it's a uh, cyanide gas cartridge. Yeah. Uh, and Not unlike the one that they they hit Pete with. Yeah. In, uh, in that butterfly episode, what was that called? The Fraternity of Thieves. There you go. So MacGyver, I like when she reaches for it. MacGyver just puts his foot over and goes, eh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, I need to look at this a little bit closer. Okay, I've seen a couple of these, and they've all belonged to KGB agents. Yeah. So, do you want to explain yourself? Uh, she she explains that she is former KGB. Right. Uh, so again, I don't. I'm not quite sure of her affiliation with the family. Is she a defector? Is she a traitor to her country? Was she already like a, a Eastern Bloc Russian person? Because her name is yeah. Natalia and her last name's Krim. So it's yeah. just like I mean I don't I don't know who you are as the character in this story. Yeah. Just a KGB, a former KGB agent who got invited to this birthday party. Exactly. Uh, I, I assume that her connection is more with Tony Graves, like, working in intelligence. I, I, I really don't know. Or with Frederick in general. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so MacGyver says, well, if you're a former KGB, you still have contacts here in England, since this is where you did your spying. Could you maybe hook me up with people who might know what's going on? Yeah, but she's very reluctant. She doesn't. She doesn't want that part yeah, of her initially. Life. She just says no. Yeah, or she doesn't respond, and MacGyver sits there waiting for her to say something. 
Yeah. And then he he delivers this line really like just the one word really well. Yeah. And like he gets the full force of it. He's just like, really. <laughs> and then he does wow. the wow. Yeah. The wow is the best yeah. part. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but he just he really sells it, and then he he's like, all right. I, you're committed to your whatever your cause is. I don't understand. And then he gets up to leave, and then she's like, "Okay, wait, hold on. There's like, someone we could talk to." And he's like, "Yes." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does a little silent like fist. Uh, she's willing to help get him integrated. Um, so they the next day they meet with Nikolai, who uh, is only helping them for the money, but he's also assumingly he's probably also ex KGB. Right. Um. And Not the first ex-KGB Nikolai we've had on the show. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, because the second appearance of Anthony DeLongis in Lost Love, he, mm-hmm. was, he was taking over the role of Nikolai Kossoff. Yeah. And he was supposed to be ex-KGB. But really, he wasn't. I don't think he was. I think he was still a KGB member. Can't trust him. That's just what a KGB agent would tell you. I'm not in the KGB anymore. Rule number one with the KGB, never trust a Nikolai. Uh... So Nikolai is going to set up MacGyver with kind of a terrorist identity in the sense that he's going to vouch for this guy is a crazy guy and you should have him on your crew kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know that crazy is a, is a good yeah. uh, thing to have on your team, but but it works. Yeah. He, he's basically going to vouch that he's a good man to have on your gang of terrorist crew. Right. Though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, um, he's a reliably nefarious. So when MacGyver has the meeting, he's uh, met by a group who say that in order to join the group, you have to first face face us in a fight. Uh, right. So this guy just comes out wailing on MacGyver, grabs a chain, chain whipping him. Um, Kicks him through a box. Yeah, MacGyver only gets the upper hand when he comes near some kind of like bowl of powder or something and yeah. sprays it in the guy's face um, and you know gets him to the ground and that's when Joseph the guy he's supposed to be looking for uh, makes his appearance and he says yeah he shows up in the rafters yeah and he's he's like alright you did good now finish him off and he tosses like an Uzi down to him yeah he's like you've earned it it's like okay and and there's this dramatic scene of like MacGyver taking aim, and that's wh- this is where we get like the act break, like oh my right, god. Right, yeah. It goes to commercial. Like, is he about to perforate this guy with an Uzi? I don't think so. I don't think so. And we were right. <laughs> yeah. Instead, he shoots at Joseph. But yeah, and that's for the first time since the pilot that he's shot a gun at a person. Yeah. But he doesn't shoot it directly at Joseph. He shoots it in sort of a rainbow over his head yeah. to indicate I could have killed you if I wanted to. Yeah, and also. That his men don't do anything to help. Yeah. Like, and no- then MacGyver just says, it's a stupid leader that sacrifices his own men. And also probably radicalizes this one who just found out that he was completely useless to the cause and yeah. ready to get killed. Maybe maybe that's just how you have to run with this group. You just I like, guess, yeah. You're going to get killed. They again. definitely beheaded this guy later that day because it was like, well, we're not going to hang around with you anymore after that. That's pretty awkward. Yeah. So Joseph says... Uh, the, the the next couple of scenes are kind of pointless, but yeah. uh, Joseph says, "All right, you've earned yourself a private meeting. I'll call you and let you know when it when it is." Yeah. So then we cut to an establishing shot of MacGyver's hotel. Yeah, in bed, and the phone rings. Yeah. And he and he gets that call. Yeah. 
And then we cut to the meeting. <laughs> yeah, him meeting the same guy who just said, okay, I'll call you about our meeting. It's like, we could have just said this right now? Yeah, well, really? why don't we, we just gotta, like, wait 12 hours? Why don't we just have an aside right now away from yeah, these guys? I, I come up there. Is there stairs somewhere? <laughs> I'll come right up there. I don't see any stairs. Is there, we can talk it's a, privately. It's, it's a ladder, maybe, situation? <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you fly? Uh, Joseph, uh, I guess is willing to let MacGyver in on some stuff that went, that happened that, um, they were hired to go in and kill somebody. Yeah. And, uh, but now like members of their own team are disappearing. Yeah. Like the people who are involved are either not showing up to, to future meetings. And so now the group is really on edge because they suspect they're being taken out from the inside. Yeah. So he asked MacGyver, that's why he wants MacGyver. He wants an outsider. To kind of get involved in this because – Yeah, to try and investigate. Uh, so he gives MacGyver some information on a place to meet some contacts so they can go into the sewer and collect the evidence that's going to help him out. Yeah. Uh, so as MacGyver is going to head into the sewer, he first uh, meets up with Natalia and Graves who are – Graves is like, you should really wear a wire. Uh, we need to keep an eye on you and keep a track of you because what if something happens? And MacGyver, MacGyver's like, no, I'm not going to wear a wire because it's too hard to explain if it gets revealed. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a, a reasonable precaution. Yeah. Um, uh, he asked Natalia to put together a list of potential suspects of who would want to go after Frederick, including people who might claim to be his friend. Right. So at the uh, apartment block that Joseph gave him the address for um, – MacGyver makes his way up to the apartment, and we're already hearing, like, really loud music coming from the apartment. And as MacGyver goes in, he finds that there are two – his contacts are both dead and shot. And presumably the music was, was there to muffle the gunshots. Yeah. Um, but luckily there's a map on the wall that shows where he needs to go. Right. He holds it up against the light to read all of the text of the map, mm-hmm. which includes – Basically, there was there's a sector of the sewers called Sector Four that he needed to find. Right. And he's able to find it on this map, and he sees what the crossroads are above it, so he's able to find that specific place. Uh, so he goes down into the sewers, and he finds like a there's like a side drain with a, a number four carved into the into the wall below. Right. It. So, first of all, my my problem with this is hiding hiding evidence in a storm drain in England, where where it rains every day. Yeah. It's like, like you know, if you hide something here in a storm drain in California, odds are it'll probably still be there in a year, two years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pending water main breaks. But um, the fact that this was like paper, just paper. Yeah, it was just a piece of newspaper. Not even regular paper, but newspaper, yeah. which is like extra brittle anyway yeah and and the fact that it was able it was in a storm drain is like uh this is a very very temporary location like you have hours to get to this yeah um unless it's like locked against something yeah but it wasn't it was just stuffed in there and so then macgyver pulls it out and it's a a picture from the newspaper that has paul on it with a red circle around it right that 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 was their intended target and then he realizes that they weren't at this party to kill frederick um but while he's reaching for the evidence, though, uh, he gets scared by a rat. Yeah. Um, I can't tell if it bit him. I think it just scared him. 
Yeah. Um, but he swung his hand back and broke the watch crystal off uh, face off his watch. Right, and it uh, falls on the ground. Right. And uh, at this point, while he's trying to look at the paperwork, um, a couple of canisters of gas drop down from the manholes above him. Yeah. And this isn't the same gas that was used at the party because this gas. No, this gas is choking him. Yeah, it instantly like burns his eyes and mouth, and he's like in in a severe amount of pain. But before he runs off, he finds a place to restash this paper right. in case someone comes looking for it. In a much more logical place above the yeah, storm. In the ceiling yeah. where it's not going to get washed out by water. Yeah. Um, but he's having trouble breathing. He can't maintain his balance. Uh, he He's forced to, like, Andy Dufresne it through the sewer and yeah. just, like, covered in all kinds of gross grossness. He's even, like, soaking his, like, bandana in it so he can use it as a filter this yeah. is like, whoa. Uh, I was like, uh, I can't, I can't. Honestly, I'd rather smell poison than this <laughs> fecal matter that I just wrap my face in. But I, then he climbs up out of the sewer. Yeah. And he has no idea where he is. And he's kind of stumbling around. And then he falls face first into a puddle. Yeah. Right into like a very, also very tea colored brown water puddle. Yeah. Um, and you just see bubbles from it. And then we, we push into the water as we get kind of a POV flashback. Yeah. It's, and it's it's kind of a dream sequence, really. Yeah. Where where he's like floating in water, and he sees uh, Elise also drifting and floating in the water. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden he wakes up. And at the end of the dream, though, we do see hands pulling him up out of the water. Yeah, yeah. He he wakes up in bed, naked, with yeah. Natalia, who is also mostly naked. Yeah. And. I think the implication is that they had sex. I think so, too. Um, he doesn't seem to remember, so it's kind of like a consent There's a consent issue for me with yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely rapey. Yeah, um, because uh, she just said, let's just say your fever broke. It's just like, yeah. I, I don't get that metaphor. Yeah. Are you saying we had sex? Yeah. I didn't consent to this. Uh, so and this is where Sam's little brother comes from. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver says that his uh, two contacts were killed, and Natalia said, "Why would the the terrorist group try to kill you if they sent you down there?" He says, "Like I don't think that they did. I think that whoever's behind this is targeting me." Yeah. And uh, and that Paul was the initial target, not Frederick. Right. Uh, so. She's like, oh, who would want to hurt Paul? Yeah. Paul was such a nice guy. Was yeah. he? Was he? Was he? Yeah. Maybe should have let him die on that mountain <laughs> where we set our first trap. <laughs> uh, so Mac mentions that Paul was upset about something and that uh, he needs to get a look into Paul's la- laboratory. Right. Um, why they have But as soon as they get there, yeah. that second they get there. Yeah. It's like, well, sh- we probably should have been here a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, like we never thought to look into this before. He said sample pack before he died. Yeah. Uh, and it's been like, I mean, considering that there's been a funeral, it's been yeah, at least maybe like a week. Yeah. A week. Um, but luckily the police didn't think to look there either. So <laughs> they're in the, and this morning someone broke in and took all of his stuff. Yeah. They meet with uh, Dr. Massey who, uh, also works in Paul's lab. Right. He's like his research partner who he shares no information yeah, with. Yeah, he doesn't share anything with. The only person he ever shared anything with was Elise. And Paul has been working on a mass spectrometer 
to uh, a mobile one that yeah. they could use anywhere. And I guess he was its intended purpose was to measure uh, nuclear activity in stars. Uh, yeah. And uh, but now that everything was stolen, like his mass spectrometer, which was like one of a kind and it's very sensitive, that uh, it's it's a great shame that you know it's all it's all gone. Yeah. And this is when Capshaw arrives and says, "Hey, we got here first, kind of. We did, we thought of it later, though." <laughs> And you should all get out of here. Um, uh, so MacGyver asked Dr. Massey about some of the samples because apparently Paul had been taking air samples from all over uh, London. Yeah. And he said, well, no, Paul Paul didn't – everything was taken. You know, Paul uh, didn't tell me much about what he was doing with the samples. Uh, but he casually mentions that uh, Paul kept a room at the facility because he was working working there so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was sleeping at the actual facility. Right. So MacGyver goes up and checks it out. And but isn't there a, a little interaction here with Tony first before they go to the room? Um, no? Is that later? With MacGyver and Tony or with Capshaw and Tony? With Capshaw and Tony. Uh, where th- Tony starts to get angry. Yeah, I think, I think that that was in the, the – the, I think we passed over it, yeah. But yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, t- Tony and Capshaw have been at odds throughout the episode so far, and they have another one of their little spats here. And then Capshaw throws in Tony's face that um, he he oh I forgot about your violent temper and and that how that one time under investigation that yeah a person was killed while you were questioning them yeah also he also mentions that he's financing things with his dirty money yeah in, you know in like you know in, accusing him of criminal activities. Yeah, but then we move to Paul's mini office yeah. at the facility. Yeah, there's like it's just like a cot and like some notes and some other lab equipment. Um, it's probably just another lab that he's just converted to partially be a room for him. Yeah. Um, MacGyver finds some of Paul's ski equipment though that's in there, including a pack. Yeah. And when he opens it up, there is an air sample container inside the pack. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he's doing this. Natalia is watching him from the doorway. He does not know that she's there. Yeah. Um, she she came up later and was watching him to see what he does. And then while she's watching him, Capshaw sneaks up from behind her. Yeah. He's like, "Hey, I thought I told you guys to leave here. What are you doing here?" Yeah. Capshaw gives MacGyver like a gentle lecture about getting involved and getting in the way and uh, you know obstruction of justice kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh. So once MacGyver gets out, outside, that is to say, and Natalia, he says, he basically tells Natalia to take a hike. He, yeah. he says, I think I'm going to go on alone from now on. I can't afford to trust anyone, especially anyone who was close to Paul. And she's horrifically offended by this. Yeah. She, and she, then presents something she stole from the scene just now. Yeah. She, as, a, as a sign of good faith, she uh, shows that she got the air sample container that MacGyver was trying to get. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why she gives this to him. What? I don't oh, know why yeah. she gives this to him in the long run. I, I, I guess just trying to really build she up She just this. wants to rape him again. Yeah. And that's not going to happen if she doesn't play on his team. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't play hard to get in this situation. MacGyver is the master of hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the 
this is where we get the kind of like the the full story of uh, Graves and Capshaw that uh, Capshaw was just a, a like a minor officer at the time and was on duty when Graves apparently killed or yeah. beat to death this suspect. And right. it's but it, but other than this one incident, he has a completely clean record. Yeah. And it's possible that this is like an anomaly caused by some other some other problem. Right. Um, they take in the air sample uh, for analysis, and this is this is the part where I suspect Natalia the most. Yeah. <laughs> because so like MacGyver says this container contains high traces of uranium, and she's all so. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you're a KGB agent. You know what uranium is. Yeah, he's like. Well, uranium, he says uranium is the stuff that they use to make nuclear bombs. And she acts so shocked. What? Well, first of all, your air quality shouldn't contain... Any uranium. Yeah, like maybe, maybe a trace, but not high concentrations of uranium. And her reaction to to uranium is like, I don't care. I don't know what uranium is. It means nothing to me. Like, yeah, is this like a thing that everybody knows? This uranium stuff. Yeah. It, now, last you know, in the last episode of the show where we had Mook T asking what a calutron was, which I had to look up. Yeah. And ask, that makes more sense. Yeah, and then asking what, why you would want to enrich uranium. It's like, oh, to make a more powerful bomb. Yeah. That makes sense. He, she is a mountain girl. She doesn't know about uranium and enriching and things like that, but. For Natalia as an ex-KGB not to know what uranium is and not to know that it's involved in the making of nuclear bombs. Yeah, this should have made MacGyver suspicious just because it's not that she's playing dumb. She's playing way too dumb. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I should have backpedaled that a little bit. Like, okay. you're Maybe you're not ex-KGB. Maybe you thought you were ex-KGB. Yeah. It was like a man-who-knew-too-little situation. <laughs> Maybe they just really kept her in the dark on things. Like, yeah. The elements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so MacGyver believes that Paul, with his while trying to get his spectrometer working, uh, probably kept detecting weird high nuclear signals coming from the wrong place, not coming from space. Yeah, implying that there was actually nuclear activity locally here in he, London. Right. Um, and so he was trying to narrow it down by taking air samples and get, getting closer and closer. Um, MacGyver wants to head back home to kind of think about this, but Natalia says we can't go back to either of our places because yeah. if Capshaw followed us here, he's going to follow us back to our own apartments. And so yeah. she recommends that they, she get him, she'll get him a safe house. Right. And we know how safe houses work on this show. Yep. <laughs> not safe. Yeah, not so great. Especially later on when MacGyver just answers the phone. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, hey, what's this thing? Somebody knows here? <laughs> Come on down. Um, MacGyver heads to the local library to do some research uh, because there is uh, some writing on the canister that appears to say the word care, C-A-R-E. But then he notices that the the line connecting the curve of the E yeah. is actually a different color. Yeah. Which is pretty lazy forgery. Yeah. But then he realizes that it actually said Kark initially, mm-hmm. and then he starts looking through the phone book for something that Kark might be short for. Yeah, and uh, he comes across Karkoft Castle. Right. Um, and when he tries to get more information on it, it, it appears that the director of the property of Karkoft Castle is uh, our good friend Tony Graves. Yeah. 
So now there's a connection between directly connection between the nuclear material and Graves. Yeah. Um, as MacGyver's uh, heading out to his car, he gets in and he notices that the uh, visor was down. Yeah. And I rewound it just to verify when he got there, the visor was definitely up. Yeah. Um, and even he kind of seems like, well, that's odd. I wouldn't have that's been. That's odd. Literally one shot ago, it was up. Yeah. Now it's down. Um, like he's noticing the continuity error himself. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as he starts the car, it doesn't start, but he starts hearing a, a ticking noise. Not only a ticking noise, but a, like a, a, an increasingly in a metronomic yeah. pace. Yeah. Following the rule on this show that a bomb needs to have a sound to let you know that it's about to go off. Yeah. Um, and he dives out of the car like probably too late. Yeah, it, there there's like fire already in the car as he's ejecting himself. Yeah. Um but he tumbles to the ground and hits his head pretty hard. Um and then we cut to him at the hospital. Yeah. Where a doctor flubs his line and they left it in. Yeah. The edit. I did I did not catch that. Well, what was okay, it? Okay, so I wrote this down. He says I'm about I'd be more careful about the company you keep in the future. That's he says like, "Well, you're very lucky, Mr. MacGyver. I'm about I'd be more careful about the company you keep in the future. And they left it in the edit. Huh. It's like, how easy would it have been to cut that out? That's very odd. Or just have yeah. him do it again. But you, you see him, like, kind of pause and, like, I screwed that up. I'd be more careful about the company. It's like expecting them to edit it. But we should mention that actually in both halves of of this TV movie set that they're they're shot in a very British way. Yeah. Which is not a lot of editing within a scene. We usually get a wide shot where we can see everybody and we stay there. So there's not, like, multiple cameras going here for them to edit around this guy's flub. So he should have known that they should have just redone the take. Yeah. But he pauses, and then he repeats the line the way that it was supposed to be read, and they just left it in the cut. It just seemed like yeah. they were so pressed for time that they couldn't bother to cut around this. That is TV. You just move on. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the parts of uh, Bruce Campbell's book. I think it was If Chin could kill um he was talking yeah. about because he had always always been used to working on film and the first time he was like on tv and they did a scene and then they did it again and then they said okay next scene and he's like what we're, yeah we're, that that's it <laughs> yeah and how how surprised how fast it, things moved like you yeah. just you just got to keep going you got too much to do he was just uh on npr a couple days ago i was listening to an interview with him about um the new show the yeah. second season of uh, Evil Dead. Ash versus Evil, or whatever it's called. What is the new show called? I think it's Ash versus Evil Dead. Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, I only saw the first episode, but I liked the first episode. But um, he was just talking about how, because I guess the first season of the show was actually like slated, like post midnight, and now it's like has a prime time slot on the channel, huh. which is awesome. Um, but. It sounds like it's actually a really good show, and they're bringing on uh, Lucy Lawless, Lucy Lawless yeah. as like a regular character now. Because that's that's because so. I love like the Raimi connections. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, you know, we're gonna bring in like if they if they brought in like Renee O'Connor who played like Gabrielle on Xena, yeah. Would, like just just bring in everybody. Just yeah. bring them in. Except Kevin Zorbo, we can leave him to those Aww. those uh, all those religious movies or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, you could bring in like. Ted, you know, obviously, like Ted Raimi should be in it, and oh, definitely. Uh, and I guess Sam Raimi's actually directing on this season of the show. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's funny because he was talking about like TV makes more sense because 
It doesn't. It's it's never been a good idea to dump a bunch of movie into an evil like a bunch of money into an Evil Dead movie. Yeah. And then he's like, I've only starred in one feature film that was released like through the studios, and uh, and it was Army of Darkness, and everyone's like, Yeah. And he's like, Yeah. Where were you guys in 1992? Because <laughs> <laughs> that movie did not do well. Um, but he said this is really the way the show should. They should have been doing it from the beginning because. They can keep it small scale. They can do it exactly how they want to, and mm-hmm. they can release a bunch of episodes. Yeah. But yeah, I need to check it out because yeah. everything I've heard has been that it's pretty good. So uh, Capshaw comes in, and um, oh, we didn't mention that before the bomb went off, Capshaw was watching MacGyver enter the library. Right. He had followed him to the library. But Capshaw completely admits it here. He says, so, you know, we saw you go to the library. So what, what he, he gives MacGyver another little speech about like cooperating with the police and, yeah. um, and what he, what he calls manners about conducting your own private investigation. And when you make a major connection, not sharing it with the police, especially when it could threaten your life. Yeah. And MacGyver seems like he has accepted Capshaw as like a red herring. Yeah. Because he's being weirdly unwilling to, share any information with this guy who we haven't seen do anything terrible other right. than interrogate people fiercely. Yeah, yeah. He, he's doing his job. Maybe, yeah. maybe with a little bit of anger, but yeah. he's getting it done. Uh, so MacGyver assures him that like, he's not working for Graves, he's not working for Moran, he's not working for anybody except trying to figure out what happened to his friend. Right. So... <clears throat> Back at uh, Frederick's house, he tells them about the nuclear material and uh, the connection to Graves. Yeah. And Frederick is just like, no, no, like he he wouldn't do that. He he hates terrorism. He's been fighting terrorism his whole life. Yeah, he would never be involved in something so terrible. Um, but, but then there was this one time. Yeah, there was this one time, and we also had to cut complete financial ties with him, and we don't really talk to him all that much anymore. And he got kind of weird, but probably unrelated. <laughs> yeah. Um. MacGyver does not want to involve the authorities quite yet. I mean, they, they mentioned that, like, Frederick's saying, this is getting a little bit too out of hand. Uh, yeah. We should call the police. Um, luckily, MacGyver does not want to call the police in this situation. Right. Um, he wants because to... Because that would solve everything. Yeah. He, he wants to have, like, have it out with Graves and get his take on this, his side of the story. Right. So he heads over to his place... And, and instead of coming in the front door like a person would. Yeah. He decides to suspiciously sneak in through a window. Right. And come across his dead body and then then put his hands around the neck of the recently strangled body. Yeah. The second <laughs> Capshaw walks into the room with his entire investigative team. So here's the question. Yeah. How did Capshaw get in? He just opened the door because it was unlocked. MacGyver never even tried it. But but at this point, like Capshaw should have seen MacGyver go in through the window because that's yes, how that's close true. behind him they were. MacGyver yeah. gets in the window, walks like five steps to the body, and Capshaw bursts in. It's like yeah. he, MacGyver would have heard them come up the steps through the front door and through the – Unless they were all piled up against the window, like briefing each other on what they were going to – or piled up against the door. Like, okay, Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to move in. If we see a body, I'm going to go in. Event, and they're, they're listening carefully to someone break in through the window. <laughs> uh, it, it, and, and obviously this body has been dead for a while. Yeah. Um, 
and he just immediately and a coroner could probably attest to that when yeah. we get to that point. Um, so, but Capshaw firmly believes that MacGyver says, "Oh, is this your flashlight that looks like it strangled this man?" Oh, also here's a broken watch crystal. Is this yours? He's like, "Yeah, yes, both of those are mine." However, and I didn't they were break planted in here. Yeah, clue. Even though I broke into this apartment like seconds before you and did, strangled this corpse while you walked in. Yeah, clearly I was this. This was a dead body long before I got here. This looks like the work of the <laughs> red herring. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the red herring. He's he could also very easily point out on the crystal watch, like, uh, what did I break this on? Yeah. Like, look around the room. What What is consistent with these? Because I broke my watch two days ago in the sewer. Yeah, and take a big, long whiff of that watch crystal and tell me yeah. where you think it's been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put it right up against your nose. Right, there. Yeah, <laughs> right, right up, up in there. there. I did it yesterday. I feel great. It's uh, like the Christopher Walken watch from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> uh, so MacGyver uh, realizes it's being set up, so he makes a run for it. And he jumps out the window, and apparently this window was like a whole other story above a like an alley or something below it. Yeah. Because he falls. It's a hard landing. Yeah, into some Yeah, he drops cans. like two stories into a bunch of trash. And I guess he cut his shoulder um, because he's bleeding. Yeah. And so he just makes a run for it. And uh, there's kind of a, I don't know, like this whole chase sequence I thought was going to be a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Um, because he runs down into a, a, a subway tunnel, uh, or the tube, as they call it in London. Yeah. Um, he gets onto a train, and everyone's, like, looking at him suspiciously because he's out of breath and he's bleeding. Yeah. Um, and he runs straight up to the front of the train. Yeah. And, uh, where the the conductor would normally be right, but luckily is not there. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so I he, think he's like doing the rounds on the train because we see him a little bit later. Right. So he breaks open the door and gets into the engine room or the engineering room. Yeah. Um. Just as uh, Capshaw and his officers are following kind of behind him and looking around the train car, and they come across the broken glass on the door. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, was this always like this?" Because the conductor's like walking up right as he right. gets there. And he's like, no, it doesn't always look like that. Why would we have that broken glass like that? Right. That looks very dangerous. Okay, everybody get to the back of the train. I'm going to have to move into this next room. Um, Of course, he goes in, and there's no sign of anybody. Um, And there's a door to his left. Yeah. Which just leads right back to the subway platform. Right. Which And there's like three police officers that are still standing on the platform that didn't see MacGyver come out of the subway. And no one from the train saw him come out. Yeah. but then the conductor just starts driving the train. It's like, um, I th- you might need to hold this train for a minute. Yeah, there might be um, a murder Yeah. Uh, a, a murder case going on. Yeah. We should just pause this for a second just in case the guy's back on the train. It was like, I guess, but I guess they got a schedule. So yeah. they close up the train, and uh, the train drives off, and Capshaw and his other officers realize that MacGyver must have gone, given them the slip somehow, yeah. and they run back up to the street. But apparently and that's when we, we follow the train through the tunnel, yeah. and then the camera moves up to this enormous mirror yeah. just above the tunnel. I guess I guess the mirror is for the conductor to make sure that everyone got clear of the doors yeah. before he took off. Yeah. Because um, I, I can't see another purpose for this gigantic mirror in the subway. Yeah. Uh, so. But yeah, he slowly drifts out from behind this mirror. Yeah, he, he climbs out. Um, he heads back to the safe house where Natalia is waiting for him. And she goes, oh, MacGyver, you're back. And he just grabs her and throws her against the wall. 
And you set me up. Yeah. You, oh man, he is. He is furious. He's very angry. Um, because the only t- the only person who knew where he was going was her and Frederick, and uh, how and and she says well, that's not true. Capshaw has been following you this whole time. Who else would who else would know that you were down in the sewers and could have collected that evidence? Um, he should have been suspicious how quickly she came up with this whole plan. Yeah. Of, of framing Capshaw. Because he doesn't. He just kind of like, like, oh my god, you're right. And it's like she should have just pretended to be confused. Yeah. Like I don't know who told, but I, it wasn't me. And let MacGyver figure out. Oh, okay. Well, you know, Capshaw has been following me everywhere. Yeah. You got. You can't. You can't. You, that's the power of Inception. You have. Yeah. You have to let them think it's their idea. Yeah. If you tell them it's not, doesn't work. Yeah. She could. She could have been like, I don't know. Is there anyone else that has been, you know, following you around that that knows your right. whereabouts all the time? Someone Who else have you bumped into like thirty times in the last two so, days? Some someone maybe rhyming with nap saw. <laughs> someone who may be distantly related to Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> it was his wife anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, Natalia tries to cheer MacGyver up with information that oh that guy Nikolai I told you he. He's also an expert in nuclear facilities. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? What does that mean? I forgot to mention that before. He builds them? Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe he can give them information on any new nuclear facilities in the area. Oh, you know, we just finished building one earlier. <laughs> I was like... I can give you the address. I was like, what? Where, where is this information coming from? Uh, uh, back at uh, Frederick's house, Capshaw is asking him uh, where MacGyver is. Yeah, MacGyver's now wanted for murder. You gotta tell us where he is. Uh, Frederick saying, "No, I don't. I don't like your attitude, and I certainly don't." And like this you. is the first clear indication that that Capshaw and Frederick, at least, are not on the same team. Yeah, because MacGyver's not there, so it's not a show. These two people are actually butting heads. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver's waiting at the safe house alone, and this is the ridiculous part where he just answers the phone when someone yeah. calls. Um. And uh, it's Natalia. Yeah. And he says that um, that they need to meet in in one hour. But just in case something happens, if she doesn't hear, if he doesn't see her, he needs to go on without her. Yeah. Um, which I don't understand what the purpose of that line was. Yeah. Like, go on where without her to where? Um, yeah. Uh, and why were they meeting? Uh, yeah, but if we don't meet in one hour, continue being. Yeah. Continue to be you. Just keep on being you, man. Keep on keeping on. Uh, at the meeting uh, place, Natalia is coming down the street and is immediately gunned down by a driver. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mac runs down an alley like to try because they're going after him now. Um, he does this weird move where he hides behind some barrels. He waits for them to exit the car and then attacks them, yeah. but then runs again. <laughs> yeah. Um, he can't decide who's getting chased. It's like a memento situation. Yeah. And so on the way back down the street, he checks Natalia's body, but he doesn't have really time to confirm life. Anything, because there's headlights on him again, yeah. and the car is coming back down the street. Um, and he manages, actually, to find his way back down into the sewers where he hid the evidence. Yeah. Um, grab it and and uh, continue to run from the, like, three or four pursuing guys who are after him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then he realizes that uh, his boots are like making too much noise on the on the concrete and in the that's water. how they're able to trace him through this echoey chamber yeah 
So uh, in a move almost as bad as crawling through it, he takes off his shoes and leaves his socks on. Yeah, and walks around in the sewage. Oh, I hate wet socks. More than yeah. anything, I hate wet socks. Uh, I was just like cringing this whole time. And then he tries to get up to the surface again, but comes to a locked door. Right. And so he decides he's just going to sleep up on a high shelf that's very nearby. Yeah, he climbs up to a high shelf and opens up another side door, which may have led to an exit. Because the guys never come back out of it. Yeah. <laughs> unless it's just a pit at the other side of the door. Yeah, they just <laughs> fell. Because <laughs> um, I would have to assume that they must have gone back up to the surface because MacGyver just falls asleep up there and they never seem to come back looking for him. And then in the morning, some utility workers open the door that was locked. Yeah. And MacGyver's like, thank you guys. And he just walks past them. Yep. And then all of a sudden, he's out in the countryside. Yeah, he's like in a rural area. Like he came up out of the sewer hole and was like out in the middle of a field with yeah. no buildings in sight. Um, it's, it's kind of like from the, um, the, the, was it the human, not human factor, but uh, when MacGyver's with that like agent who the humanity cause, and he's trying to, Dang it. What was that episode? There was a couple humanity episodes. Yeah, it, it's it's when MacGyver is like in like this archival vault and this guy breaks in through a vent and MacGyver's taken hostage by this guy and he's trying to convince him like you don't have to be a killer. Yeah, the episode was just called Humanity. Okay. Um cuz that's where like they're in the city and they go they just go through a sewer and all of a sudden they're in like yeah, that's the true, rural actually. countryside. Yeah, they're in like the wilderness. What? How did we get here so fast? Um that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, so as he's kind of walking, he hitchhikes. He hitchhikes. Yep. He hitchhikes. Guide. Uh, he hitches a ride with a biker named Plato, who likes yeah. to speak in. Um, uh, I guess this is a real thing. It's like Cockney rhyming phrases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like up the apples and pears for yeah. the stairs. Yeah, but he uh, first he says like, uh, "Where are you going on those plates?" And he's like, "Plates," and he's like, "Plates of meat, feet." Yeah. He's like, "Oh." Because plates and feet, there's no real connection between those two things. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, and then uh, they keep the, he invites him on a ride, and they they head on down the road and kind of come up on a uh, uh, police checkpoint. Mm-hmm. And and he says, "Hey, I got to get off here. Like, yeah. This is this is like this is my stop. Uh, the, they're probably looking for me." And Plato doesn't ask any questions. Yeah. He, in fact, he says, "I'll tell you what. I'll pick you up on the other side." Yeah. So um, they look like a couple of ices anyway. Yeah. Ices. Ice cream freezers, geezers. <laughs> like, okay, this is this is our two is enough of those. Yeah. Let's not do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's like Austin Powers when he's it was like uh, when a guy gets like eaten by the piranhas or gets decapitated. He's like, guess it's not a good time to lose one's head. Guess not. Yeah. That's enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> He'll certainly never be the head of a major corporation. That's enough. All right. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh Plato is played by uh, this gentleman named Rocky Taylor, yeah. who is actually a stuntman. Yeah, there's a couple stuntmen in the cast that yeah. are rounding it out here. Um, so I thought that that was kind of cool. Um, um, there's a character named Claude. Have we already encountered Claude? I couldn't tell you. Like I, I was looking through the cast, and it was like, first of all, the guy who plays Joseph was uncredited. Um, I found him. Like, he had to expand the credits to find him. Oh, weird. But whoever Claude is, the actor's name is Vincent Keen, and he actually currently does stunts on Game of Thrones with Lena oh. Hetty. So, interesting. I thought that was neat. Yeah, remember but that? Yeah, the last like half of the credits on the IMDb page were all like regular stunt guys. Uh, so 
uh, Plato picks up MacGyver on the other side of the checkpoint, and and he lets MacGyver like sit in front of him so he can his, his body can like conceal him on the motorcycle. Yeah. And with his helmet on and like his size, he's yeah. completely blocking out MacGyver. Um, so he drops MacGyver outside of uh, Carcroft Castle, and MacGyver probably to... way out of his way. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where he was going. Well, we don't know much about Plato. Yeah. Um, Except he's a thinker. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to some. Yeah. Ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes, morons. <laughs> uh, Mac watches a couple of vehicles pull up, and there's lots of security up on the battlements. So he's sneaking around as much as he can, and he finds a, a set of pipes that seem to be leading up uh, one of the walls. And he does one of those, like, uh, Mulan telephone pole, uh, you know, telephone yeah, pole he's worker. he's using his belt yeah. to climb up. Um, so he climbs up to the battlements and uh, waits for a guard to pass before he enters into the castle proper. Right. Um, nearby, he hears a phone ring, and... Uh, he hears voices, but he can't tell who they are, so he decides to get a little bit closer to see if he can identify anybody. And it's Dr. Massey from Paul's yeah, lab. Who I was not expecting to see again. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And he has Elise strapped to a chair, and he has been chemically torturing her and uh, using the old truth serum. Yeah, he's on the phone with someone mm -hmm. we don't know, and he's telling them that the serum will take time to take yeah. effect and that he's trying to use it, but... I think it was too forthcoming with MacGyver giving him information Yeah. Uh, when they were back at the facility. So that's why I wasn't suspecting to see him here. Is cause yeah. he, he was like, oh, well, you know, you should check his other office. He sleeps here at night. Um, I also thought it was weird that he kept saying, Elise, you can't lie to me with this serum, but I don't know anything. You can't lie to me. Stop lying. It's like, yeah. I don't know anything. No, the serum will make you tell no, the truth. the serum means that you cannot physically lie, not that you are not allowed to. Yeah. Um, it's just like, she keeps saying she doesn't know anything and you're, you're insisting that the serum is working and that yeah. she's lying. But that's also what he told MacGyver earlier, which was that he never tells anyone anything about his work except for his daughter, Elise. And, yeah. and she's saying like, no, no, he, he didn't tell me anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. Probably to protect her and keep her safe from people. But also, the, I mean, as much as people do use it. Uh, sodium pentothal doesn't exactly work this way. Yeah. And people can still lie. It's just, it's inhibitions. Yeah. Uh, so, Dr. Massey is kind of like pacing the room a little frustrated, and he says, they're going to kill you. Like, he doesn't seem, he seems genuinely like wants to, to not see her dead. Nazi. Yeah. Mm. But it's not a Nazi. No, he's not. Uh, but he also has to know that she can't be allowed to live. Yeah. I mean, you're in this deep. You can't live. Uh, MacGyver uh, hides behind a bookshelf, and he says something about, I need the information. Like, where am I going to get the information? And then MacGyver's like, why don't you check a library? <laughs> this disembodied voice just confuses the hell out of Dr. Massey. And then a book just comes off the shelf and punches him in the face. Yeah, it just slides out and smacks him in the head and completely knocks him unconscious, yep. like Jason Bourne style. Yeah, this leather-bound book really, <laughs> really knocked me out. Yeah. Um, he gets up to Elise to check on her, and... Uh, she recognizes him immediately. Yeah. Oh, MacGyver, this person who I saw for two seconds. I met briefly at my father's birthday party. Uh, she says that uh, 
they, they force her to help them with their research and that they have two nuclear bombs ready to go. Akiwa, and she's apparently been kept so so secret from everything that she doesn't even know for sure if her father is dead. Yeah. And MacGyver confirms for her. Yeah. Um, also, it's very important that she says that there are two nuclear weapons that are ready to go. Yeah. And we'll find out why, or we won't. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> it's, it was a subject of very of great concern for me. <laughs> uh, MacGyver makes his way down into the processing lab where before he finds the gigantic button that says plant entrance. <laughs> yeah, well, she tells him that it's that there is a nuclear facility and that it's underneath this castle where we are right now. Right, but that's what MacGyver suspected the whole time. Yeah, but also that's very unrealistic unless there was already a huge like structure beneath this castle. Yeah. Because this is an old castle and you can't install everything that's required for a nuclear facility underneath a building. Without digging the whole thing up. That's true. That's true. But yeah, he finds the plant entrance button. <laughs> and uh, but before and he he plants an entrance. Yeah. Pressing the button. Before he's able to press said button, and the magic that it will reveal, Frederick yeah. appears, arm in a what? sling. Yeah, Frederick, arm in oh a sling, gosh. gun in his hand, uh, ready to shoot MacGyver. And he says, "Oh, yeah, I did all this." Uh, I'm going to build nuclear weapons and sell them to people because yeah. that seems like a good idea. I'm going to be the arbiter of nuclear weapons yeah. all around the world. Uh, we'll get into more about why I find that plan to be completely terrible. Well, it's it's the same as Flame's End where he's like, yeah, I've been stealing nuclear uh, materials from this facility and I'm just going to sell them to the highest bidder. And it's like, uh, you know those people can use it against you, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, do you think that London would not be a potential target yeah. for a nuclear bomb? Yeah. What are you thinking? When was the last time a world power ever bombed London? Well, I guess like 70 years ago. <laughs> well, but at, aside at, from that. Yeah, I mean, and at that point, it was like only it was like only 50 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, this is his great plan. Uh, Paul, of course, his mass spectrometer readings led him to that location, and so... He unfortunately had to deal with Paul, um, and uh, but he still needs the research because um, if he was able to build a, a really sensitive mass spectrometer, then someone else will be. Yeah. And so he, if he can build one first, uh, maybe he could sell that too. So as uh, Frederick is kind of half monologuing, MacGyver notices that yeah. he's walking by a exposed open pipe. Um, yeah. The purpose of which is not clear, but. Luckily, it says that there's an intense vacuum that will go through that pipe if MacGyver... If you flip all these switches on the other wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, MacGyver is going to get a little s flip switch happy this episode. Uh, this guy was just... Uh, he was trying to invent a, a robotic woman replacement. <laughs> I've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> or not far enough. <laughs> uh, MacGyver flips the switch, and this vacuum apparently is so powerful that it sucks Frederick right back, even though he's trying and to he shoot. He hits his head on the mouth of the pipe. Yeah. Um, but doesn't, isn't, it's not strong enough to hold him up, but it is strong enough to knock his head into it. Yeah, it yanks him to the side, but he is struggling against it, so I guess he struggles hard enough to only hit his head on the pipe and not have his head sucked clean off through <laughs> yeah. the tube, which I was half expecting. I thought it was going to be like the end of that Alien movie where the, 
the alien gets sucked up against the hole in the spaceship yeah. and just gets pulled through the tiny oh, hole. God, that's such an awful scene. Yeah. Uh, I mean, awful because it's like just a gruesome way. Yeah. Uh, Mac uh, grabs his gun and throws it into the pipe, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and he makes his way into the plant where there's just like one guy walking around. Um, yep. And you can't have too many people working here. Yeah. Uh, and because you kill everybody. <laughs> yeah. You just kill everyone who's involved. Well, if they're releasing uranium into the atmosphere, they're killing everyone involved yeah. anyway. Um, he uh, makes it his way up to the plant control room where he finds one of the nuclear devices. Right. Just one of them. Just one. Keep in mind, there are two. There are two. Very important to note that there are two. Yes. Um, just then, out of a gigantic chair doing a dramatic villain reveal spin around... Yeah. Is Natalia. What? Natalia's in on it too. Probably we thought already that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's got a gun and she's especially upset with MacGyver for being so persistent and that she kind of likes him and now she has to kill him. Yeah. But she's certainly going to do it. But the good news is she's carrying his child probably. Yeah. Uh, Natalia is completely obsessed with the preservation of the Soviet Union. And yeah. MacGyver's all, there is uh, no that's Soviet Union. dissolved. There is no USSR. It's gone. And she's all, no, no, it's all lies. We're going to bring it back. It's like, yeah. it's like, Ugh. I'm a patriot. Yeah. Uh, Frederick then joins in and says, oh, good, you've caught MacGyver. Uh, now you should kill him. And MacGyver goes, um, can I just say one thing before you kill me? You are a hypocrite and you're stupid. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the, the worst talking out of an execution <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, but he's like, you're talking about how you're going to solve communism and you're going to make it work again. And yet this guy's like the biggest capitalist in the world. He's willing to sell his own country yeah. so that he can make a profit off of nuclear weapons. And she's like, yeah, I, I'll admit that that's a hypocrisy, but I, I had always planned on, on uh, rectifying that. Yeah. And then she shoots Frederick multiple yeah. times. Which gives MacGyver enough time to bust out the door. Yeah. Uh, MacGyver jams the door to the control room with a screwdriver because it's like this metal kind of open, exposed grating on the floor. I don't know where he got the screwdriver, but... Yeah, yeah well, he, he's MacGyver. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he makes his way... Uh, there's some kind of ultrasonic sound machine on the ground. Yeah, he's pulling like an ugly duckling thing where yeah. he just turns it up to kind of hide what he's trying to do. Um, but he puts on a set of like really powerful... Uh, I guess they're, they're, it looks like it's ear protection, but it might have also yeah. been some kind of headphones. Yeah. Uh, so he Either way, this equipment has no place in this laboratory. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes over to this thing and starts pulling plugs and uh, plugging them into other plugs and just, like, switching things around, which is setting off all kinds of alarms. This nuclear facility is going to go go bust any minute yeah. now. And she's basically uh, lured out of this control room to come and undo everything that he's done. Yeah. Uh, because both of these people know everything to know about nuclear facilities, even though she knows nothing about uranium. Well, she knows about uranium. She was pretending not to so that oh, that's true. That's he true. wouldn't know that she was involved in this process. But she should even, as far as he knew she was ex-KGB, she should have known what uranium was. Yeah. Uh so she gets, she finds the uh, the sonic sound machine and turns it off. So MacGyver is kind of like taking cover, and he finds uh, some pipes that have like a lot of heat insulation on them, and uh, he like 
we don't see him do it, but he, he's going to take some of it off. Um, yeah. uh, she finds the plugs that he had plugged into other plugs. Yeah. And just unplugs them, which seems to reset everything to normal. Yeah. Even though these plugs were initially plugged in in a correct sequence, she unplugging them seemed to fix it. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver now gets back to the control room and just starts flipping switches. Yeah. Uh, he's he's flipping. He might as well be launching like, the other one because there is supposed he, to be a second nuclear device. Yeah. Or it's like he's turning on all the fences at Jurassic Park. He's just going. Yeah, yeah. Hold on to your butts. And when like the, an automatic override tries to flip them back, he flips them back again. Yeah. Um, and so now the plant is saying that the whole facility is going to cease to function, which I assumed meant it's gonna blow up. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I assumed it meant. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, how I'm reading it too. Um, Natalia tries to stop him, and he just pushes her away. And she yeah. falls to the ground as he continues to flip switches, and she hurls a big knife right into his butt. Yeah. Um, it stabs him in the back of his thigh, and he just collapses. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so while he's incapacitated, she basically loads the trigger for the bomb that's in the room and triggers it. Yeah, she arms she the said weapon. It's, it's, yeah. Um, and so now she's like, uh, now there's no way to stop this bomb without a trigger wrench. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess this is the best option she had. So MacGyver yeah. just looks down at the bomb, looks at Natalia, looks at the bomb, looks at Natalia, and just punches her in the yeah, face. Yeah, he just uppercuts her right in the face and knocks her unconscious. <laughs> Which I feel like he was looking at this bomb and going, there's no way to disarm this. Yeah. You just killed both of us, and you're not even protecting the Soviet Union. Yeah. Screw it. Nobody's so, ever going to know that I punched you because we're both going to be evaporated by this thing. Yeah, in just it's a few time moments. I punched a woman. <laughs> uh, but now he's looking around for a way to open up this bomb casing. Yeah. And we get the we're getting the count. We've got two separate countdowns. We have the countdown on the bomb, and we have like the 10 second countdown that this facility is going to cease to exist. Yeah. Um, and once those 10 seconds are up, it says, plant has shut down. It's like, yeah. oh, well, that was oh. anticlimactic. Oh, that was literally was just perp- like a computer shutdown. <laughs> yeah, it was like, okay, I I don't know why you had this huge buildup. Yeah. Um, MacGyver is able to find a tennis racket and a bunch of, like, uh, volt testing, uh, like, rods. Like, these, t- you know, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, voltmeters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're just like these long metal prongs that you, you yeah, touch to the contact test live points. Wires to, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so he places them in the racket in a in a position that would match the three holes that's on the top of this lid. Yeah. And forces them in so he can turn them all at the same time. And his removing of the lid so- is enough to stop the bomb from going yeah. off. But now there's like that uranium core. Like the little dome. Yeah. It looks like it's like one of those circular, like it, the, just the exposure to this should have given him like instant cancer. Well, yeah, because she opens up that case that has the uranium-235 ball yeah. and she loads it into like two uh, outer plates yeah, and then should just shoves it in the bomb. With cancer. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, she kind of comes out of her unconscious state and realizes what happened and she's like, oh, you saved the day. Yeah, you save the day again. 
you jerk. Whoopty friggin' do. And then we don't really get a clear resolution of this scene unless MacGyver just knocked her out again and then dragged her out of the facility. Yeah, I mean, because no one knows that he's there except yeah. the bad guys. The bad guys yeah. are the only one who, who knew he was going there. Yeah. Um, um, and Elise is drugged up. Dr. Massey's probably regained consciousness by now. Yeah. There's also a, lots of guards all over the place. Where are all the guards? Yeah. Well, when, they, when Massey th- says, you know, they're going to kill you, like, you need to help me. Like, I almost wondered if he was being, like, held hostage or being forced to do this against his will. <laughs> so maybe he's still a good guy. But other than yeah. that, pretty much everyone else here is either heavily intoxicated or trying to kill MacGyver. Yeah. And like I said, there's there are guards everywhere outside. They must have heard the alarms and come to investigate. They're all yeah. heavily armed. Yeah, and but if they didn't hear the alarms, they, they should have heard that noise machine that MacGyver set off at full yeah. volume. Um, but luckily, we just cut away, and uh, MacGyver is saying his goodbye and farewells to Capshaw. Uh, yeah. Even though this this whole process seems like it would take a long time to clean up. Yeah, um, and Capshaw just says, like, well, it seems I've misjudged you. I apologize, MacGyver. And I really wish MacGyver had said something along the lines of, well, to be fair, I was being a huge dick to you and didn't realize yeah. that you weren't a bad guy either. Uh, yeah, no, there's no, there's nothing there. Yeah, this would have been a lot um, easier to solve if I had shared my information with you. I just didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> uh, MacGyver meets Elise over by the river, which I'm assuming is the Thames. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they kind of have like a sad moment about her father being dead and all he wanted to do was make a better world. And MacGyver says, well, then I guess it's just up to the both of us. Yeah. Uh, We're the only two and they, guys. Yep, the only two people on the planet. Um, <laughs> just you and me, you know what that means. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's where we end this movie. Yeah. Where is the other nuclear bomb? <laughs> yeah, there was a second device. Uh, I was told there would be two devices. <laughs> it wasn't in that room. Where yeah. is it? There were vehicles arriving. Were those buyers? Who were those people? Yeah. Did they take it? Did they it? already sell a weapon? I don't know what happened to it. I'm so upset. I don't know why this matters uh, so much. It's just a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Why are you so worried? That, that may or may not have had a transaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's but the overall, end of the character of MacGyver, this scene. Yeah. This is the last that's, we see of Richard Dean Anderson as MacGyver, if you don't count a MasterCard Super Bowl commercial. Or, yeah. Uh, MacGruber sketches. Or the other um, the other car commercials that they shot in Europe for, I forget what car, car company. Mm. But uh, maybe we'll review those in time as like a special yeah. episode. I, I did love those MasterCard commercials. Yeah, those were funny. Yeah. Uh, and uh, obviously we've made it very clear that we enjoy the the MacGruber sketches that Richard Dean Anderson appears in. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's overall it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty exciting movie because I I definitely don't see some of the twists that occur. Sure. Like, like every, it's a mystery, so I, like you don't know who to trust. Everyone's involved. Right. Uh, I I don't. I I just have so many questions, like the terrorist group. They they were just hired to murder somebody. Yeah, but they're and not they're not really bad guys because they're just hired I gunmen. Guess, but they're not a part of this nuclear facility. Yeah, and and they do help 
out. I mean, they do they do reveal that Paul was the intended target, although it seems like Joseph just could have told him that. Yeah. Because he must have known. Yeah. He must have known who the intended target was. Um and and yeah, I don't understand the quadrant four of the sewers. <laughs> yeah. Um I also don't understand uh why Natalia's apartment was ransacked unless she did it herself like Allison Duty did in Last Crusade. Just uh, to make it to make it look like yeah. people were after her. But but she didn't seem like she wanted to get involved. It seems like she was trying to not get involved for the purposes of having MacGyver leave. But then she also so he, used the fact that she was trying not to get involved as evidence that she wasn't a part of it. Yeah. She was like, what, but you remember how I didn't want to be involved? So, which makes me think that that was all an act, too, when she was pretending she didn't yeah. want to be involved. So that she could pull that out later and be like, why would I have done that if I was a part yeah. of this whole plan? So, uh, I mean, obviously, like, they they had the fake body of Elise, which you mentioned, like, who who did they bury? Yeah. Uh, we'll never know that either. Just some it's transient, I suppose. Somebody, some other, another unmarked grave in Carol Varney's front yard. Yeah. Um, unless it was one of the, the terrorist group. Maybe, yeah. I mean, there could have been a female in the group. Or maybe it was Amy's um, roommate. <laughs> another roommate. Um, or what was the, the roommate from, um, the, uh, Murdoch, uh, not the Murdoch episode, the, uh, Oh, gosh, I'm already blanking on episode names. When MacGyver first moves into the new neighborhood and uh, there's the cowboy hitman. The Hood? The Hood, yeah. This is, this is called The Hood. Um, and, oh, yeah, uh, that, her the roommate. other girl, Molly. Yeah, Molly. Molly's Molly body Kelly. is buried here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so th- there's like there's a bunch of little loose ends. And uh, I they they're very concerning for me. Yeah, but and it's it's just it's a complicated whodunit with a lot of yeah. good guys and a lot of bad guys, um, which makes it a very different feel from the last TV movie. I think I actually prefer right. Atlantis of the two, but not to say that this one yeah. was terrible. I mean, I still enjoyed it, and the action and the darkness of it is really interesting too. It's 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 probably this the one... darkest episode from him that we've seen. Well, no, the the ten percent solution. It's the darkest, well, in my no, opinion, the darkest is the darkest is, episode. No, the challenge is the darkest episode. But <laughs> but this is like the a darkest, I mean, like literally lit darkest of oh, the okay. series. Like it's it's almost a noir, the way we're following him around in the night all the time. Yeah. And it, it's certainly the more more contemporary plot, if that makes sense. Sure. Than Atlantis. Yeah. Like it's like there's a there's terrorists who, who have a nuclear weapon and they're going to start selling them. Like okay, I can see MacGyver getting involved in that. Other than more than more so than he's looking for Atlantis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a more believable MacGyver story. Right. Uh, in that respect. And it feels but, more more like a James Bond movie than we've had. Oh, for sure. For the sure. The only other James Bondish story that we had was the heist. I mean, there might have been one other one, but most other than that, most of the lookalike episodes are Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, Stories, not really James Bond stories, but this feels very James Bond, or, oh, yeah, or even yeah. um, uh, what's his name? Uh, some of all fears. Uh, what's that character? Uh, Andrew Ryan. No, not the, Andrew Ryan's. Jack, Ryan, <laughs> Jack, Jack Ryan. Ryan. Andrew Ryan is is, is from Bioshock. 
<laughs> but yeah, it, this one this one almost feels like a Jack Ryan or a Jason Bourne story. I'm trying to see, uh, yeah. So because Goldeneye came out a year later. Oh, interesting. How, how crazy is that? Yeah. Um, that there was a MacGyver movie that came out just before Goldeneye. So, so the this Goldeneye was probably filming when this was released. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the Bond franchise had had long since taken a break since the eighties. Yeah. Because um, Timothy Dalton finished up in like eighty seven. Yeah. This didn't come out till ninety four. Right. Well, well, I mean, there was also the when you the terrible uh, Never Say Never Again, but uh, right. That was also in the eighties, but. Uh, yeah, Never Say Never Again was early eighties. That was eighty three. Yeah. Same year as Octopus. But. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I don't want to imply that this helped rekindle the the Bond franchise. Obviously, no, it was already no. done. Yeah. yeah. But maybe even in anticipation of the Bond franchise being renewed, yeah. that they said, hey, what if we had a more James Bondy kind of plot? Yeah. Um, that would make a much more interesting episode of MacGyver. And I do like um, that the two but, episodes are very different from each other. Yeah. But I feel like they were probably filmed back to back. Yeah, um, I agree. Because I, I feel like they're they're in England. They probably have the two scripts, and it would have been a much better production schedule if we're just going to film these right now together. I do um, know that they ordered them at the same time. And originally, I guess they ABC had offered to do six TV movies, and then Richard Dean Anderson wow. was like, "Let's do two because he wasn't. I mean, he was only two years out from being really tired of playing this character. Yeah, yeah. Um. And uh, what? Well, when did uh, Stargate was like ninety ninety three ninety four? Yeah. So, Stargate the series. I would say ninety six. When? It, yeah. Ninety ninety seven. So 97. yeah, three years later, he would he would replace Kurt Russell's character, uh, on uh, Stargate SG one. Yeah. So he never really stopped working. <laughs> Yeah. Not even and until he, he like did more St- Stargate ended pretty late too. Yeah, uh, he did. He, he did 177 episodes of Stargate SG One. Not to Jeez. mention any of the other spinoff series. That's yeah. just SG One. I mean, it became like Atlantis and Ark and uh, it, Doomsday. Oddly enough, it, yeah. I'm just taking different <laughs> MacGyver TV movies. Yeah, and making uh, the Stargate it's kind of funny that um, Stargate Atlantis. Um, uh, was a series yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I think I've been here before. No. Yeah. Um, this looks familiar. But uh, yeah, it's he, he. He. I'm sure he was done after that point. Yeah. But you know, and but Richard Dean Anderson. You think you think of him. You think of MacGyver first. And but I think a lot, a lot of fans also do do think of SG One. I mean, 177 episodes. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's. that's that's a lot. I think the only reason that people think of MacGyver first is because it was on network television. It was like appointment television every week. Yeah. But also it was, yeah, it was iconic eighties. Yeah. Like, like you think of eighties things, you think of things like MacGyver. Yeah. I don't he think was of definitely an icon. When I, when I don't, when I think of like nineties television, I don't really think of Stargate SG one. Yeah. I think of friends for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, Friends and Seinfeld. And Westwood. No. 
Um, we did actually, by the way, get some answers on the Facebook page as, as far as uh, explaining the Mountain of Youth uh, oh, episode okay. f- uh, from Mark Hagen. Um, I'll just read his full comment because it's actually really informative. Um, he says, all kinds of anecdotes for me to share here. Since the Coltons was produced for and intended to air in season six, it was not included as a part of the 13-episode order for season seven, which is why they had Mountain of Youth left over. Uh, Mountain of Youth was supposed to be the second-to-last episode produced, and the stringer was the finale, obviously. Uh, right. The network pulled MacGyver from the air on December 30th, 91, to air two crummy new reality crime shows, FBI, The Untold Stories, and American Detective, uh, Monday nights in MacGyver's slot. The original plan was to air the stringer on Monday, February 3rd, 1992, Sweeps Week, but they later decided that uh, since longtime sitcoms Who's the Boss and Growing Pains were ending the same season, that they would do a night of finales for those two shows and MacGyver, all ending their runs on April 25th, 1992. Um, they were all hyped at the same time as A Night of 1,000 Goodbyes. Uh, I was wow. certain that night that I had definitively seen the last of MacGyver, but always figured it would return for summer reruns as that's how it worked back then. And the only way the networks could turn a profit on a larger budget show was to get the ad revenue from airing them twice. But I had no idea there was a lost episode left to air before they got to reruns until a few days before when I looked at the TV guide and saw that on May 21st, 1992, MacGyver would return for the summer reruns, but burn off one last new episode, which was of course the mountain of youth. Um, Mm -hmm. Another incredible bit of trivia for this episode is that MacGyver producers were hoping to spawn some kind of a spinoff with the idea of MacGyver and his son riding motorcycles cross-country, but apparently nobody jumped at the idea. Or did they? Because in September of 92, the same network had a new melodrama on their fall schedule called Crossroads, starring Robert Urich and his long-lost son driving motorcycles across America. The son was played by, wait for it, Dalton James. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a direct ripoff <laughs> of the MacGyver finale by another creative team, and it had to feel like a complete slap in the face to the MacGyver production crew who didn't have a hand in the series. But Crossroads was pulled after like five episodes. Here's a link to the intro, and I'll put it on the show notes. But um, yeah. definitely awesome. Mark- sounds like they ripped off the idea from what yeah. MacGyver's people were pitching. Mark always has the best comments. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's, our, um, he's our biggest fan and our biggest critic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Yeah. Um, if you guys good. have any thoughts, I liked it. yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us on trail to doomsday, you can find us on Twitter at opening gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash Phoenix foundation podcast or our website, Phoenix foundation podcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Uh, tune in tomorrow when we cover the pilot for young MacGyver. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Jared Padalecki. I ha- I have not watched it yet. I have no information going in. You've never you've never seen it before. Never seen it before. Okay, interesting. Well, we'll have plenty of notes for that tomorrow. Um, so stay tuned for that, and thank you for listening. Thank you. Mm-hmm.